0: All right, I invite you to, to uh, find your seat, find your seat, um, and grab your Bibles, oh, Bible, Bible. find your seat, grab your Bibles. Um, the, um, Janet, how long do I need to preach before the food is warm? It's ready, okay, it's going to be a shorter sermon today. <laughs> Normally Janet's in the back, but draw it out, draw it out, the food's not ready, so. That nah, I'm just kidding. That's never happened. Well, maybe one time it did. All right. So, uh, friends, we're going to continue our series in first Peter and, um, we're going to be at first Peter chapter three. We'll be the, the teaching will be first Peter chapter three, verses eight through 12. Um, first Peter three verses eight through 12. That's the main focus of our passage this morning. Um, but our scripture reading is going to be a little bit longer. I'm going to go back to verse 11 of chapter 2 to catch the whole flow of this middle section of Peter. So this is kind of the, um, well, the middle section of Peter. There, we had the introductory part that started in chapter 1 and went into chapter 2. And then in uh, chapter 2, starting in verse 11... He got to some specifics about how to live as Christians. And it culminates with this passage that we're going to be focusing on today. And then is uh, this passage kind of has uh, elements of both. It has kind of these. Here's how to live as sojourners and exiles in the world. And then transitioning to the main issue that he wants to address in the rest of chapter three and into chapter four. OK, so let me say that again. We're, we're finishing one section, the middle section, and then we're transitioning to the to the next one. And so these verses form a really good transition uh, from those. The first section was how to live as exiles, living as faithful Christians, as exiles in um, in this present fallen world. And then next, he's going to get to the issue about dealing specifically with persecution and that's a larger section, so next week's will be, a, we'll, we'll handle quite a few verses uh, next week. Remember, Peter's overall aim is faithful living in a frightening world, and he's getting to the part that's frightening uh, starting next, uh, next week's passage, Lord willing. Um, the world is frightening. We have a great deal um, of hostility, Christians all throughout centuries, uh, has have experienced hostility from um, those who hate God um, presently and hate Christians. And so we're going to be reviled. We're going to be victims of evil deeds. And what Peter wants to drive home is to not get sucked into the way the world does those things. Because this will cause us to steal our joy. And it's easy to forget how. We truly receive God's blessing in this world, um, and that usually comes through the difficulties in experiencing hardships. So um, he's going to talk today about not resorting to their tactics or their behaviors, and then he's going to get into a great deal about how to deal with persecution uh, coming up. But this transitionary passage is basically it's in two parts. It's how to live at peace with believers and then how to love and enjoy a blessed life. So I just gave you the outline right there. We're going to unpack that in um, great detail. How to live at peace with believers. And how to love and enjoy a blessed life. But in order to catch the whole flow of this whole section. We're going to go back to verse 11 of chapter 2. And we'll read all the way to chapter 12. Where Peter writes. Beloved. Whether it be the emperor as supreme or to governors is sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free. Not using your freedom as a cover up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the emperor. By his wounds, you have been healed for you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives. When they see your respectful and pure conduct, do not let your adorning be external. The braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with an imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by submitting to their own husbands as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. And you are her children if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. Finally, all of you, have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, tender heart, and a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. This is the reading of God's word. and We say thanks be to God. Uh, let's pray. Father God, having heard your word, we need your help in understanding and applying what you've given us. We thank you for these very practical words from Peter and how relevant they are to us today. Help us to live these out for your glory. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. So a little recap of what Peter, uh, the, the whole section that we just read here. Living faithful Christian lives as exiles in this world. We saw living as citizen strangers in verses 13 through 17, being subject to the governing authorities. Living as Christ's servants. And this we saw was like uh, more like employer-employee relationships, living as Christian spouses. And now he addresses living as Christians generally. And as I said, it breaks into two parts. The very first verse, he's kind of giving an overall summary of what the conduct of Christian life should be in the community. And then he gets to how to handle those who are from outside of the community. So verse eight is dealing with inside relationships the remaining verses 9 through 12 are dealing with the outside. So first, he talks about living at peace with believers in verse 8. And he lists five desirable qualities. So I want to kind of go through these uh, somewhat quickly here. These five. Finally, he says. So this is not the final section. He's, he, this is saying this is finally of this middle section that he's dealing with. Finally, all of you. Here's the first one. Have unity of mind. And this Greek word is homophronis, which literally means same thing, same thing, maintaining a total and common commitment to the truth. And that doing so, this produces a unity of heart that knits us with one another, have unity of mind that comes from being one body in Christ couple of other passages that speak of this Romans 12 1 Corinthians 12 uh, Galatians 3 that, that stress the importance of the unity the oneness that the Christian community is to have okay Romans 12 so we though many are one body in Christ and individually members of it verse 16 live in harmony with one another first Corinthians 12 he says so just as there's Uh, As the body is one and has many, many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. Or as Paul writes in Galatians 3, 28, There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, nor male nor female, for you are one in Christ Jesus. Jesus talked about the unity and the love that the believers are to have so that they would know Um, that the world would know by how they love one another. And key to that is having same think. that we all have the same perspective on the truth of God's word. That's the first one he says here. Finally, all of you have unity of mind. The second one is sympathy, sympathy. And this is, it's basically a transliteration. The Greek word is uh, sympathes, just like, That's the word that it comes from. It's sympathy. It means to share the same same feeling. To have compassion. Care for those who are in need in the community. The third quality here is brotherly love. And we've seen this one before. The word Philadelphia. You know, the city of brotherly love. This means to love one another as family members because... The Bible speaks, the New Testament speaks, of the church as being the family of God. That we are all brothers and sisters in Christ. Matter of fact, that's the term that's used for Christian. Uh, one of the terms that's used for Christian most in the Bible. Uh, one, the most is being is saint. The other one is brothers and sisters. That's how they address one another. So you're to be family. As a matter of fact, um, you are more if uh, if you are a Christian and you are together with other Christians in the church you are actually closer in relationship than if you were with a family member who's not a believer that's how strong the familial the Christian familial bond is and so he says then love each other that way brotherly love philadelphia the fourth one it's another word we've seen before tender heart a tender heart this is a this is a compound word and the main word there is splankna you've heard me say this one right because it's it's hard to forget that one splankna which means what intestines bowels your guts and by extension it's it's a very earthly language for our emotions remember jesus looked around the crowd of people who are harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd and he had splankna for them it hurt In his gut, that was the level of compassion that he had for him. And this just adds the the, uh, prefix on the beginning meaning good. So it means like good guts or good compassion or tender hearted. This is how we should be with one another. When we think about other brothers and sisters here in this church community during the week, and we think about what they might be going through. Their prayer requests come up. Hopefully, hopefully, if we're following what Peter is suggesting here, that when we read those things, we have. Splankna, good splankna for them, compassion. And then the last one is a humble mind, which is kind of the culmination of all of these things. It's it's exactly what um, Peter, or excuse me, Paul spoke to the. Uh, Church at Philippi about. About having unity of mind. Having love for one another. And to cap it off, it means not being selfish in your own ambitions and in your own uh, desires and your own things. But to think constantly of thinking about how to serve others. Paul says this, Philippians chapter two. So if there's any encouragement in, in Christ, any comfort from love any participation in the spirit, any affection and sympathy. You notice the similar terms here. Complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Amen. So a humble mind. So unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, tender heart, compassion, and a humble mind. Really strong words all grouped together, kind of rapid fire at these believers. And why is this so important? Because remember, his main emphasis here is about how to live a faithful life in this world as a Christian in the middle of a hostile world. You're strangers, sojourners, and exiles. And I've, one of the key most important factors living as sojourners and exiles and strangers in a foreign land is that you have other people just like you. There's strength in numbers. It's important that you have this unity among you. We need need to build up our brotherhood. I think that's, if I could summarize what Peter is saying here, is at the culmination of all of this, finally. Okay, so here... Here, employers, this is how you need to be. The wives, this is how you need to be. Husbands, this is how you be. But if I could put a capstone on all of this, finally, let me just summarize. It's so important that we be one. Because as strangers and exiles in this world, we have the strength in our numbers. Together. We become the fallback. We become the place to retreat to. The church. And so it's so important to have same thing. It's so important to have the same feelings, to have brotherly love, to have good guts, good compassion, and humility toward one another. Amen? So this is the first one. Live at peace with believers. So important living faithfully as a Christian in a hostile world. Now Peter starts to get into the main Thing that he's talking about, and that's the persecution that we will be experiencing uh, from a hostile world. And so here he says, in order to transition to that, he talks about how important it is to live and enjoy a blessed life. Live and enjoy a blessed life. Verses nine through twelve. So, having set up the importance of having this brotherhood to form this defense against the hostile world. He now moves to what we do when faced with that hostile world. Okay, And here's the first one. Do not retaliate. Okay, Look at verse 9. Do not repay evil for evil, reviling for reviling. Okay, So there's two parts to here. There's do not retaliate with evil deeds if evil deeds are done to you. That's the returning evil for evil. And then there's next level. I think, I think maybe most of us could probably go, okay, I'm good with that one. Here's the next level. Do not retaliate with evil talk when evil talk is directed at you. Not returning, reviling for reviling, or as the New American Standard has, insult for insult. Okay, refers to abusive and insulting talk. And I don't know how much Abusive or insulting talk actually comes out of my lips or if it just stays in my head, when I think about a lot of the things that are going on in the world, this is confession time. I know we confessed earlier. I'm confessing now again to you that this was a hard one. This is is a very convicting thing. How many of you have been tempted to give insult for insult lately? When you see the honestly, the kind of the wickedness and the harsh things and the illogical things and uh, uh, God desecrating things. and when insults are directed toward toward Christians, it's quite easily, even if it's under our breath, to utter those things. And Peter's telling us here, well, part of living and uh, and enjoying a blessed life from God, as hard as it will be is to not retaliate. Don't retaliate when evil is done to you with evil deeds, but also don't return insult for insult. Now, That doesn't mean you can't challenge. If you're debating people, you're questioning people on what it is that they might believe or what they are accusing you of. It's not not saying you can't you can't plead your case because we'll see that's quite clear later in this passage. That we should. But he's saying we don't do so in an insulting manner. And we don't do it to the manner that they're giving to us. So don't retaliate. Brothers and sisters, don't retaliate. Second one, but bless those who do evil to you. Okay? And this is in the context of insult for insult. is, is This blessing is also like forgiving. But on the contrary, bless Peter writes. And as is often the case with Peter's letter, he's he's drawing so much from the teaching of his Lord and our Lord. You could tell Peter, Peter at the end was a really good disciple. And so much of what he says just is drawn right from Jesus's own teaching. Matthew chapter five. You've heard what, that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your father who is in heaven. For he makes his son rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. It says that right now, before the judgment comes, because he's going to talk about that here in a little bit. But before the judgment comes, in the meantime, you recognize that we're in a period of common grace that's being given to all. Using the word Jesus's words here, the sun comes up. It doesn't just come up on the good people who are faithful to Christ. And then the rain that is needed to. Draw the the good fruits from the ground that doesn't just come up on, on those who are faithful and pray to him. It comes up on all and that. Common grace that's here now, in Jesus' words, that is the basis for, in the meantime, to bless those who insult you. I think that's what Peter is drawing from here. Imitating the goodness of God to undeserving sinners. So do not retaliate, but instead bless those who uh, do evil against you. And then remember this part here. This is your calling. It's very interesting what he says here. For to this, you are called that you may obtain a blessing. Now, some say, well, what's this calling here? He's referring to you were called to obtain a blessing. Uh, This is referring back to what he's just spoken of in verse eight and in verse nine. To the righteous conduct that uh, he commands for us to be done. So notice there's a connection here between our doing this very difficult task of righteous conduct in this world and receiving God's blessings in this world. Here comes the blessed life part. Bless for to this, you were called that you may rec- receive a blessing. And then he turns and he quotes from Psalm 34. Okay. So which is a, a, a passage that's speaking about God's blessing on people and And it's not just our future and eternal blessing, that is true, but this is his blessing on us in the present world. Now, I don't want to be confused with, because some of you might hear that and you would go, wait, okay. But I know you've spoken against like the prosperity gospel and the health and wealth gospel that talks about God's promised blessings of material blessing in this world. Right. God is calling you to be happy and healthy. And the problem is, is that you just don't claim it and that you need to uh, speak by faith. These things, these material blessings into existence. No, that's not what I'm referring to here. God does bless his people in this world and in in this life. But uh, but God's blessing doesn't always look like what the prosperity gospel, health, wealth gospel describes. God's blessing comes to those who who do right, even if they are wrong. God's blessing comes to those who uh, still do righteous living, even when they're suffering for it. Okay, And God will bless in this life. To to make this point, he quotes these verses. Verses uh, 10 through 12, he's actually quoting from Psalm 34. So what I'd like to do is have you turn with me to Psalm 34. To just get the whole flow of, of what he's describing here. And if I could summarize Psalm 34, it would be this. When God delivers you from a fearful situation. And you get a little bit that you can see the heading there um, of David. So this was written of David when he changed his behavior before Abimelech so that uh, he drove him out and he went away. This was a very uh, scary time in David's life. And so this psalm is written about that incident. And it's about how God had delivered him out of a very Frightening situation. Now, keep in mind, what's Peter's overall aim in this letter? Is how to live faithful Christian lives as sojourners and strangers in the world uh, in a hostile and fearful world. And so uh, let's skim through and read this uh, psalm on God's deliverance of you when you're in a, a fearful situation. It's an exact kind of situation that Peter's audience was experiencing, and it's exactly what we can expect to experience soon and very soon. And I'll let you in on a little secret. All of our prayers and readings came from this psalm today. So uh, I don't know if you've noticed that. So if you can see a liturgical flow to this psalm. Notice he begins, uh, there's kind of five parts here. He begins with praise to the Lord, verses 1 and 2. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. And then here's the call to worship. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. Notice the inviting of the afflicted and the helpless to exalt the Lord with the psalmist. Why does he do so? Verse four, I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my, what is that? Fears. Fears. Those who look to him are radiant, and their faces shall never be ashamed. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him from all of his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. So the invitation for the afflicted and the helpless to call on the Lord. The invitation for others to taste in God's goodness. Look look at verses uh, 8 and following. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you, you his saints. For those who fear him have no lack. The young lions suffer want and hunger. But those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. And here in the next section, he starts to uh, give some instructions to them about this fear of the Lord that he just called them to. In verse 11, come, O children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. And then notice in verse 12, this begins the passage that Peter quotes. So we're going to come back to this here in a moment. So skip on down to verse 17. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. He keeps all his bones, not one of them is broken. Affliction will slay the wicked and those who hate the righteous will be condemned. The Lord redeems the life of his servants. None of those who take refuge in him will be condemned. Wonderful Psalm. Psalm is about the blessing of God to the good life that we are to love is becomes the focus of the the passages that we skipped over that we're going to come to in a moment. But notice that this blessing does not mean the absence of troubles. Right? We just saw verse four: fears delivers us out of our fears. Verse six: out of our troubles. Notice uh, that we are broken-hearted and crushed in spirit at the time of Lord's blessing here, and the many afflictions, the blessed and good life comes from God to those who fear him. Hence that call. Come, O children, listen to me and I will teach you the fear of the Lord. What man is there who desires life and love many days that he may see good? And Peter picks up right from that verse. To give his instructions to them on what they are to do when they're to experience this hostility that they are experiencing. Okay. And so I'll walk through these in a couple of of steps. Uh, to learn the fear of the Lord in verses 10 through 12. First, stop your tongue. Whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil. And his lips from speaking deceit. So this goes in with what he's just been instructing them about. Don't revile. Don't return insult for insult. He's, Just giving you the basic proof text for it. But it's not just in speaking evil. It's it's against speaking deceitfully too. To speak the truth. That's step one. Here's step two. Turn away from evil and do good. Verse, Verse 11. The first half of verse 11. Let him turn from evil and do good. Here's step three. Let him seek peace and pursue it. Again, following with what Jesus spoke of in his. um, Sermon on the Mount, blessed are the peacemakers, work for reconciliation, harmony among people. And the fourth step, remember the source of life, the Lord himself in verse 10. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayer. What an amazing promise that is. That God is looking after us. He's looking after us for our good. His eyes are out recognizing and meeting our needs when we turn to him. His timely care does indeed come. Now, by contrast, okay, he says this. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil or who are wrongdoers. Peter uh, doesn't finish the rest of that verse. If you go back to Psalm 34, you can see what the psalmist says uh, there in verse 16. The face of the Lord is against evil, those who uh, against those who do evil to cut off the memory of them from the earth. That part Peter leaves out. But I'm sure he knows that his audience would recognize what he's speaking of. So there you go. The fear of the Lord brings blessing from the Lord in this life that he hears, that he answers, that even in the midst of your afflictions or troubles or heartaches or difficulties, if you maintain that faithful walk to him and obedience To what he calls us to. He does indeed promise. His blessings. This passage. Really is. A a really strong affirmation. Of the relationship between righteous living. And God's. Blessing. Present blessing in this life. And it's. So much so, I think it should give us a really good, strong challenge and a correction to us. To any of us who would have drifted into a careless or half-hearted Christian living. May this passage motivate us to the kind of holy living to which Peter says all Christians are called. To this you are called. So, first, build up our brotherhood. Have same think, unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, tender heart, and a humble mind. But then, when it comes to what we're going to experience in this world, if we want to live and have a blessed life and happy life in this world, it's going to come in the midst of hardship. And so, don't return evil for evil, insult for insult. Watch your tongue, turn from evil. Seek peace and pursue it. And the eyes of the Lord are on us when we do. And he will indeed turn his face to us and hear our prayer. Amen. Let's pray together. Our gracious heavenly father. What a true blessing it is and a true means of grace that you've given us, that you've spoken your word to us. And God, I pray that the passage that we have just read from your word would would challenge all of us and convict all of us. God, as we are going to experience um, difficulty from those around us, um, help us to stay strongly focused on Your perspective to know that you will indeed come at the end of the ages and to bring judgment on the righteous, the the unrighteous and the wicked and those who do evil. That as the psalmist, David, says that you will actually even cut the memory of them from the earth. What a thought that would be for us to be surrounded in your presence around your glorious throne in heaven above and to not even recall that their evil had been existed in the world. So, God, help us to have that perspective in the midst of all of this hardship. Help us to remember that we are right now in a season of just common grace that you're allowing Um, That you do permit and tolerate these these evil and wicked deeds to be done, but help us to not be distracted. Help us to live righteously for you. Even in the midst of. them, So that we can indeed. Receive the blessings, the blessed inheritance that you have for us, even now. God, help us to do that. Give us the strength by your spirit. To walk faithfully for you. And it's in Christ's mighty name. And all God's people said. Amen and amen. Brothers and sisters, invite you to stand. We'll do our closing uh, benediction. Reminder that there's an offering box uh, on the, the back there. If any of you have any questions or anything that you would like some prayer for, I'd love to, to uh, pray for you and talk with you. Um, and then we have our fourth family feast back here. And let me just kind of remind uh, all the all the men, men of all ages, maybe l- let the ladies go first. Yes? My wife wanted me to remind that the ladies go first. Okay, so ladies, are you cool with that? Okay, but if you, the ladies, if you could help us out and not talk and just get the food so that the guys can get. (laughs) Janet looked at me like you just ruined that announcement. (laughs) Um, So, uh, brothers, sisters, here's here's the closing benediction uh, before we feast. Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God our Father and the fellowship that we have in the Holy Spirit be with all of you as you go. Thank you.